Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Good morning, ACF. It's great to be with you guys today. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am really excited to be with you guys today. I want to pause for just a moment and say welcome to everybody who's listening and watching online. And just for everybody online in this room, I want you guys to know today my prayer is that you would be able to walk away from here after service with some tools uh, to start implementing in your life that will help slowly, daily bring you closer to God. So that's where we're going today. Uh, We've been in a series called Force of Habit, talking about how habits can positively and negatively impact our lives and how we are creatures of habit and God actually designed us to be that way. So uh, last week, Brian talked about how the magnitude of your life will be measured in the moments. The the magnitude of who you're becoming, the the legacy of who you're going to be one day is not built on one great achievement or one great uh, event in your life, but it's built on the everyday moments of our life. I believe that the secret to your future self is, is hidden in your daily routine. That the things that you do daily, every day in your life, things you are realized that you know about, and then some of the stuff you don't even realize that you do that you know about, those, those daily routine things are, are creating your future self and who you want to be. And so today we're going to talk about those moments in life, that daily routine. I, I titled it Seven Little Things. Seven Little Things. And, and you see, I believe that most of us can trace our successes in life, our failures in life, to the things that we've permitted to happen or permitted to allow to occur in in our spirit, in our minds, and in our body uh, on a daily basis. And and you think about these things, success maybe with, uh, you know, weight loss or working out, stuff like that. Well, that happens with the little things that we allow in our life. Success in business or in work, you know, are usually, uh, are not just off of one choice when we're successful in it, but it's off the little choices that we make every day, the decisions that we make. You see, these things are called keystone habits, and that's what we're going to be working on, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, seven keystone habits. You see, we all have habits in our life. We do things habitually. Uh, We wake up, and we kind of do the same routine when we wake up. You may wake up and go straight to the bathroom and brush your teeth, right? And maybe you have a habit of whether you grab the toothpaste in the middle of the tube or at the bottom of the tube. Right? If you're married, you've been told what that habit is to be, and you better obey it typically, um, or that can lead to horrible consequences. But we all have habitual things that we do in our life that we don't really think about. We just kind of do it. The way you tie your shoes, the way you drive to work, all that stuff. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about are called keystone habits. And keystone habits are things that we have in our life that splash into and affect multiple areas of our life. Um, they say a keystone habit is actually making your bed, believe it or not. And they find that more su- uh, successful people typically make their bed in the morning. And, and some of you are very disappointed to hear that, I know. Um, but it's true. And, and what they're saying is by making your bed, you are starting your day off with an accomplishment. You're starting your day off with a victory. 
And typically to make your bed, that means you have to get up early enough to make your bed and get everything else done. And so like that could be considered a keystone habit. See, keystone habits, like I said, there are areas, there are things that we do that affect multiple areas of our life. And so I want to jump into these seven little things, these seven keystone habits. See, these were taught to me by a, a, a mentor of mine. And uh, this mentor of mine, he's a, he's a leader among leaders. And um, these are things that he teaches his mentors. I've taught him numerous times to my youth ministry. And uh, I've got some of my youth kids sitting right here in the front. Love them. Uh, they could probably teach this to you guys this morning. Um, these are things I really believe can make a big impact in our life. And so let's get started. The first one is this. So what I'm going to do is I want to share an action that we want to do, and then I'm going to talk about what that habit, what habit we're trying to create. So the first one is this. It's be amazing. Be amazing. And what we're trying to do is we're creating the habit of identity, the habit of identity. Now, before some of you guys jump in and go, well, be amazing, that kind of, you know, sounds like maybe a name it and claim it type of gospel or a prosperity, you know, gospel or something like that. See, that's not what I'm talking about at all. Let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even from the Spirit, or even from the Lord, the Spirit. Did you hear that? Your identity, if you are in Christ, if you are in Jesus, if you've said yes to him, your identity is the glory of the Lord. Did you know that? We just got done with a series called Blind Spots talking about our identity. You see, and the, the truth of the matter is so often Christian, as Christians, we walk around and we go, well, I'm just this horrible sinner, I'm just this no good person, you know, I, I got this sin in my life, I got this junk in my life, I'm just never going to be able to get rid of it, yay, I'm saved by grace, but really who I am is this horrible, terrible person. And that's typically then how we operate. You see... You will always move towards the dominant thought, the dominant focus, and the dominant picture in your mind. That is how you're going to operate. And so if your thought, your picture, your focus is, well, this is who I am. I'm just someone who struggles with anger. I'm always going to struggle with anger. This is, a, this is a, you know, a burden of mine in my life, and that's just who I am. Yes, I'm saved by Jesus, but this is who I am. Or, you know, I'm always going to struggle with this. Or I'm always going to struggle with my thought process. I'm always going to struggle with anxiety. I'm always going to struggle with depression. And these are real things. But if we view ourselves as defeated by them and don't view ourselves as the glory of the Lord, then what we're doing is we're already beginning our day in defeat. See, when, when I say be amazing, I don't mean like you have to be the best employee at your work, or you have to be the best dad on your block, or you have to be, you know, the best pastor at ACF Church, right? That's not what I'm saying at all, but what I'm saying is through the Holy Spirit, God has empowered each and every one of you to be your best. Not your best because you are amazing, because the Bible also is very clear that we, apart from God, are not amazing at all. In fact, it says that we can do no good. If you are apart from Jesus, you can do nothing good on this earth. But through Christ, in Christ, with the Spirit moving through us, we can do amazing things. And that is who we're called to be. That is our identity. We are the glory of the Lord. But we have to understand that. And so we need to be amazing. Not in our own strength, but be amazing as a dad through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be amazing as an employee through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be an amazing employer through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You see, when we operate and understand who our, what our identity is, that we are the glory of the Lord, if we said yes to Jesus, then we need to understand that and operate in that. So be amazing is keystone habit number one. Keystone habit number two. Now, I don't want to offend anybody with this. Please forgive me if this word offends you. I won't use it too much, but it was taught to me this way, and so I need to teach it this way, I feel. Do something that sucks every single day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do something difficult on purpose. Romans 5, 3 through 5. This, this is awesome. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. And everybody said, amen, we're done. Not only that, but we what? We rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. Do something difficult every single day. You see, success in any arena of our life is not, does not happen through one major choice but it happens through the seemingly small, insignificant choices that we make every day. Success typically comes down to choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. Most times in our life, success, again, in business, in family, in, in, in our spiritual walk, success typically happens over making the, they're choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. You see... The person who taught this to me um, was talking about how they try to choose something to do difficult every single day. And I'm not talking about like, you know, smash your hand with a hammer every day because that, that, that sucks. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is maybe you roll into Fred Meyer and instead of driving around for seven minutes looking for the closest spot, you just drive to the back, the farthest spot away, and you choose to walk in. Something more difficult than you typically would do. The person who taught this to me, he was telling me how he always carries his suitcase through the airport, no matter what, he never ever rolls it. So I kind of got inspired by that, and I was like, you know, I'm going to roll my suitcase, or I'm going to carry my suitcase, never roll it, in the airport, wherever I go. The problem is, this is my suitcase. This is the only suitcase that I own. And so when I travel, even if it's for one night, guess what I'm taking? This guy. And I, I've carried this suitcase all over the world. And my youth kids sitting in front of me, they know, they've seen the suitcase, they've seen me carry it, and there's something else I do. I got inspired through a book I read called Take the Stairs. And so what do I do? I take the stairs. I don't take the escalator. It was about that this book was about this principle, about choosing to do the hard right over the easy wrong. And what you're doing when you are doing this is you are training yourself how to, when, when, when you have to make the hard right choice, all of a sudden, you've done something difficult. You've made a habit of doing something difficult every day. So when you have to do something difficult, when it's not a choice anymore, it becomes much easier. Choosing the hard right over the easy wrong becomes something habitual that you do because you're always choosing to do something difficult every single day. And so now you, you've, you've trained your body that that's not really that difficult of a choice to, to make. Let, let me break it down for you like this. I talk to lots of people, and one thing that just seems very difficult for people to do, including myself, is to be in the Word of God. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to have advance, um, in, in advancement in your spiritual life, if you want to mature, that is going to happen through being in the Word of God. 
but I talk to so many people that are like, Josh, I, I, don't, I can't find the time. I got kids. I got work. I got all this stuff I'm doing. I can't find the time. All right, do something that sucks tomorrow. Set your alarm 30 minutes earlier. Set your alarm 30 minutes early. If you get up at 6, get up at 530. That's super early. I know. It really is. If you get up at 7, get up at 630. Now you've, given your, you've, you've chosen to do something difficult, and what you're doing is you're freeing up time for yourself to actually spend time in the Word of God. What an amazing way to start your day by praying and being in the Word of God. And if you're like, Josh, I don't, I don't know what to read, that's great. Get a devotional book. Grab something that's going to walk you through a program or a plan on, on how to read the Word of God. And now you're choosing to do something difficult. Again, keystone habit. The difficult thing is not being in the Word of God, but the difficult thing is to get up early so that I can be in the Word of God. Choosing to do something difficult every day. Number three, keystone habit. Do something that benefits somebody else at your own expense or extreme effort. What you're doing is you're creating a habit of generosity. Proverbs 11, 25, and 26 says this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards the grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who's willing to sell it. Several years ago, um, there was a book written uh, by a man named Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. Anybody read that book? Anybody remember the very first line of that whole book? What was it? It's not about you, right? That's all he had to write, like, period, sell the book. It's not about you. And we've become a people that make it about us. It is about the kingdom of God. And, and, and when we can learn to do things for other people, that cost us something. Extreme effort, finances, whatever it might be. There is blessing that gets unlocked in that. There is a freedom that gets unlocked in that when we are no longer chained to our stuff or our time or whatever it might be. That there, there's something about sacrifice in Scripture that God loves to, to, to pour His blessing on, that God loves to, to, to honor is sacrifice. And when we can make a habit of doing something for somebody else, all of a sudden we find ourselves no longer chained and tied to these things. And one thing is, too, that like what we just read in Proverbs, I talked to so many people that are like, Josh, if, if I just had enough of this or enough of that, if I just had enough time, then I would give some. Or if I just had enough finances, then I might support somebody or help somebody out. Or if I just had enough, you know, food in my cupboard, then I would give some food away. But the problem is, when is enough enough? And, and if you're struggling in this life, Proverbs tells us, he who refreshes others is going to be refreshed. If you are struggling in life, if you are feeling like down and depressed, the thing is when we feel that way, what we do is we, we typically seclude ourselves. We clam up. We put a wall around us. But Scripture says we got to do the exact opposite. And we just got back from Mexico week ago, two weeks ago. It was an amazing trip. And it was so awesome because we got to go down and build a house for somebody else. I'm going to talk about that a little later here. But it was amazing hearing the students talk. They're like, I feel like I'm the one being blessed. We're the one giving them a house. We're the one doing all this stuff. But why am I the one who's more blessed than them, I feel? Because scripture is true. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. You know, we have to have a habit of generosity in our lives. The story, probably arguably one of the most famous stories in scriptures is the Good Samaritan. 
Right? I mean, we have a hospitals named after this. And why is it so popular? Why is it so famous? Because somebody gave. And they gave to someone who actually hated them back. Right? This, this Good Samaritan, while it was a parable, he, he lives on in eternity in, for, for his generosity. And so it, it is, it's not about you. We've got to learn how to do something for somebody else. Again, these are habits. It takes 21 days to create a habit. These are not things like, okay, I did it on Monday. Yes. Can't wait for August to do it again. Right? No, these are things that we start practicing, putting into our life every day. That every day we look to bless somebody else. And they can look different every day. Number four keystone habit is break your routine. Break your routine. Um, and uh, also in, uh, what I have is get out of a rut. Get out of your rut. And what you're doing is you're creating the habit of self-examination. In John 21, 3, Jesus has died. Um, he's not yet resurrected. And the disciples are together, and they, they're, they're feeling completely defeated. Right? They spent three years with Jesus. They, they, he'd been talking to them. He had been training them, building them up, getting them ready, and, and and, and telling them that he's going to die and then raise again, they seem to miss that part. And here in John 21, 3, Peter's talking, and he's like, guys, I'm going out fishing, Simon told them. And they said, hey, we'll go with you. And they went out to the boat. That night, they did not catch anything. What does Peter do? He, he gets depressed he loses motivation, and he just goes right back into his rut. He goes right back into his routine. Well, I don't know what else to do. I know God taught us to do these things. He taught us how to make disciples. He, he, he's been teaching about us about the kingdom of heaven. We've been proclaiming it wherever we've gone, but we're defeated. Let's go fishing. It's what we know. It's what we do. It's who we are. We're fishermen. Right? And he goes right back into his rut. You see... A rut is this. A rut is just a grave with the ends knocked out. And, and we find ourselves, we can so easily find ourselves going back and back and back to our ruts. You see, when we create habits in our mind, there's something that happens. I want to explain this to us. This is, let's say this is your brain. Completely blank. I'm just joking. That's not the point. So, this is your mind. And when you create a habit in your mind, and good, negative, indifferent, but when you create a habit, this is what happens. It creates a crease in your mind. Okay, this is now your new habit. Okay, this is what you've allowed, the little things that you've allowed in your house, in, into your life every day, and what happens is we can create bad habits, or ruts, or routines. And what we end up trying to do is we go, oh, this is not good for me to have. I should get rid of this. And so we come over here and we try to smooth it out and get rid of this routine. Okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. All right. I've gotten rid of this habit. But in reality, it's still there. And we might be able to go a week, two weeks. We might be able to go a little time. But eventually, that habit is still there. That, that crease is not going away. 
And then so what we end up doing is we end up saying things like, well, I guess that's just who I am. Well, I guess this is just how I'm, what I'm stuck in. Well, I guess this is just who I'm going to be. Right? I, I know that like Jesus has forgiven me of this habit, this sin, this thing in my life, but I'm just going to have it in my life for the rest of my life. Because this crease is not going to go away. It, it doesn't. But when we can break our routines, when we can get out of that ruts, out of those ruts, what we do is we do some self-examination and we look at ourselves and go, okay, this is a habit in my life and this is not healthy. This is not good. This might be a sin habit. This might just be a, a, a self-destructive habit. But we look at it and we do some self-examination instead of just putting our mind on, uh, on, you know, on, <clears throat> on cruise control and going through this. We can self-examine, then we go like this. So this, this crease won't go away, but what we can do is we can replace it. We can reverse it, and now we've created a new habit in its place instead. The crease is still there, but what we've done is we've changed the routine. We've changed the rut that we're allowing in our lives. And it might look like something like this. Let me give you an example. I just talked to somebody a week ago week and a half ago, and they came to me and they said, Josh, I, I'm really struggling with looking at pornography. Um, I, I, I'm a, I think I might be addicted to it. I, I don't know how to get out of it. I've tried to get out of it. I'm really stuck in this. And I said, okay. I said, let me just, let me ask you something. I'm guessing that when you look at pornography, it is typically after something has happened, like maybe you had a stressful day at work, or maybe, you know, there was a trigger that triggered you to have the desire to go look at pornography. I don't know what the trigger is, but there's probably a trigger in your life that causes you to go to this. And this person was like, thinking about it for a minute, they're like, yeah, I, I never thought about that, but yes, that would be a true statement. And I explained this to him. I said, what you've done is you've allowed these triggers to create ruts in your mind, and those ruts don't just go away. But what we can do is we can, we can change those ruts. We can reverse those ruts. I said, so every time you have the urge to go look at pornography, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, A, just get up and go. Like, get up and go for a run. Get up and go do something. Get up, leave the technology, and go do something else. Leave it behind. That's going to be super difficult. But that's what I want you to do. Get up, go for, go for a walk. Okay. I'm like, okay, but that, that is not, that's the beginning. That's not the end. I said, and the next thing you're going to do is, I said, tell me how, Jesus was tempted in scripture. So how did Jesus overcome temptation? He, he quoted scripture. He knew scripture. The word of God was in his heart. And so I said, you need to memorize some scripture that when that desire, that urge to go look at the computer or your phone comes, that you start quoting scripture. Like, that's your reflex. That's your reaction. That's your new habit. I said, memorize something. It, it could be just that, that you are the glory of the Lord, that I see with an unveiled face is looking in a mirror the glory of the Lord. I'm being transformed into that glory from glory. And I said, you start repeating that to yourself. I am not this sin. I am not this habit. I am seeing God as the unveiled face is looking in the mirror. And I am being transformed in that same image from glory to glory. And you start reciting that over and over as you're going on your walk. You're just saying this to yourself over and over again. And I said, thirdly, the last thing that we see Jesus do in his life is he prays. Then you start praying. And, and I wouldn't focus on what you're trying to pray. Yeah, I pray that God help me. We get taught, Lord. We get taught in Scripture, Lord, you know, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me. Like, deliver me from this, God. But then what you do is you start praying for your kids. You start praying for your wife. God, I pray that my kids would be kids who bring other people to you. I pray that my kids would be giants spiritually. 
that where they walk, you would give them that ground and that they would see healing in other people's lives, that they would be agents of your love and your kingdom in this world. God, I pray for my wife that she would be an agent for you, that the women that she has influence over, God, that she would be able to continue that influence and draw them to you. And you start praying this, and this becomes your new habit. Every single time you have this urge to go look at your phone or your computer, what you've done is now you've done some self-examination, and you're creating a new habit in your life. That urge is never going to go away as far as like the triggers. We can't control those outside triggers in our life. We can't control the things that, the fact that I'm trying to watch a Seattle Seahawks football game and a Carl's Jr. commercial comes on, right? I can't control that. But where I go from there, I, I can control. You see, and so we have to do some self-examination and break our routine. And then what we have to do is we have to replace that old routine with a new one. It won't just go away, but we can replace it. Number five is no excuses. Genesis 3, 11 through 13. And this is the habit of responsibility. The habit of responsibility. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? <laughs> this is awesome. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. You know, who made me eat the fruit, she gave it to me and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate. Like, from the beginning. God, it's not my fault. You made this woman. So, this is probably your fault, really. If we really take a survey of what's going on here, God, uh, your fault. Right? We, we, we are people who love to make excuses we love to make excuses, and we, when we make excuses, we take no responsibility, and when we take no responsibility, we need, leave no space for us to grow, for us to learn, for us to mature. I don't know, some people are like this, I don't know if everyone's like this, this is how I am, and I really struggle with this. Like, I, I want to do everything perfectly, and so if I do something and it's not perfect, well, then it's probably not my fault, right? And, and all of a sudden, I see this in my son. My son can never, ever, ever say that he did something wrong. It, if something happens, is well, well, Sari, well, let me explain to you what happened. You see, my sister made me angry, and that's why I hit her. This is completely her fault. Right? And he cannot, I don't know where he gets it from, but it's got to stop. And so I'll sit him down, I'll say, Cyrus, look at me. Say these words I was wrong. Well, you see, Dad, no, that's not those words. That's not what I said. And I see that in him, and I, it's in me. And I think it's in so many of us, this, this wanting to avoid taking responsibility and wanting to blame and, and say there's reasons, there's excuses for why I did what I did. But we need to have a habit of taking responsibility in our life. We need to stop blaming our lack of Bible reading on the fact that we're just too busy. We need to stop blaming our, uh, you know, our addictions maybe to porn on the fact that, well, it's really stressful for me at work, or my marriage is a little rocky right now, so I have this, it's okay. Or, you know, we need to stop blaming our short temper on, you know, the fact that my kids are just driving me crazy. Right? Pastor Brian talked about this thing last week. We've developed this excuse 
for being a jerk to somebody but making it okay, we say, oh, we're just hangry, right? Like, I, I'm, I haven't eaten, that's why it's okay for me to be completely rude to you. Now, if I had eaten, it wouldn't be okay, but because I haven't eaten, it is okay, right? Like, we make excuses over and over and over again for our actions. And instead of doing that, if we really can step back and as we're doing self-examination, then we can look and go, okay, I need to take some responsibility for the actions and the choices that I make in my life. You know, taking responsibility for my spiritual growth by reading the Word of God daily, by not just reading the Word of God daily, but when I read the Word of God, I read with a pen in my hand and a notebook next to me. Because when I read, I'm expecting God to speak to me. I'm expecting to learn something. I'm expecting to grow. And as, as I learn something, as I grow, as I read, I, I want to make sure to write that down. Because I do not have a photographic memory. And I will forget things that, that I've been taught through Scripture. And so I want to write that stuff down. That's taking the habit uh, of responsibility. And finally, or not finally, but number six, is when you are going through hell, don't stop. When you're going through hell, don't stop. This is the habit of suffering well. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Do you know that suffering, long-suffering, is a fruit of the Spirit? It's evidence of God working in your life? That's not fun, but it is. You see, there's something about when we can suffer and suffer well. See, when I say when you're going through hell, don't stop, that is typically our response. That is typically like we start going through a hard time, we start going through darkness. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, but so many of us, we walk through that valley of the shadow of death and we go, whoa, this is intense. I'm just going to sit down right here and hunker down. Hopefully I can survive this storm. God, why are you allowing this to happen? I can't believe this is happening to me. And we just sit in this hell on earth that we're walking through, and it, and it prolongs. And we start feeling and thinking things like, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. God's not with me in this. If he was, he wouldn't allow me to be walking through this. No, that's not what the psalmist said. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I feel no evil because you are with me. Not that you keep me out of the valley of the shadow of death because you are with me. See, we, we wanted to read that, but it doesn't read that. Let me explain it to you like this. I got a, one question I want to ask you guys. Is, are you a cow or are you a buffalo? Go ahead. Which one are you? Right? You're like, well, which one's the right answer? And so then I'll raise my hand, right? That's how I operate. Um, are you a cow or are you a buffalo? I heard some of my kids yell, buffalo. I've talked to them about this before. You see, uh, on the eastern side of the Rocky Mountains, it rolls into the plains of the Midwest. And if you've ever been into the Midwest, you know that the weather can change on a dime. It can be a beautiful day, and then the apocalypse rolls in, right? Like hail's coming down, lightning, rain. I think they've even had like fire from heaven at times out in the Midwest. It's like crazy out there, these storms that they get. And, and, and on these plains, they have these roaming herds of, of cows and, and, and of buffalo. And, and what they've observed 
out of the cows and the buffalo are this. When a storm comes rolling in, this is how the cow operates. The cow sees the storm, sees the black clouds approaching, it turns its back to the storm and starts running. Cow are not fleet of foot, if you did not know this. They are not the fastest animals in the animal kingdom. And so what ends up happening is the cows are running away from the storm, and the storm's approaching, and the storm inevitably will catch up to the cow. But what ends up happening is the cow continues to run at the same pace as the storm, prolonging its suffering in the storm. Buffalo. A buffalo will see a storm approaching, and when they see this, what they do is they turn themselves face into the storm, and they start charging the storm. Both the cow and the buffalo are going to go into the storm. The storm is going to catch up with both of them. But what ends up happening is the storm approaches the buffalo, and as the buffalo charges it, the storm passes over and it keeps going, shortening its time of suffering within the storm. It chooses to make the hard right over the easy wrong and charge into the storm. See, oftentimes we have things in our life that sometimes we just need to face. We just need to address. Maybe there's a conversation with somebody that we need to have. Maybe there's a, a, a sin issue that we need to address, but we've been hiding it and avoiding it and trying to not talk about it and make sure hopefully nobody knows about it or avoiding that person we need to talk to or you know whatever it might be. And we try to run away from a storm that's approaching that is going to catch up to us. You see, the, the, the question is, is how long, how are you going to allow this storm to affect your life? And when we can choose to address it and to charge into it, knowing that, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That God is with us. And that we walk into these situations, we walk into these opportunities, instead of sitting down in these hells that we've had, and some of us legitimately are walking through some hells in our life. Hell on earth is such a real thing. Whether brought to us by our own choices or outside choices. But we sit down and we go, no, this is, this is terrible. Why, God? Why is this happening to me? I, I, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Nothing's ever going to get better. And we sit and we just allow ourselves to remain in this place. You see, there's, there's this thing called the pain paradox. And the pain paradox is this, that typically the short-term easy leads to long-term difficult, while the short-term difficult typically leads to the long-term easier. In other words, when we choose to make that hard right right away, it, it shortens the storm that we're in. So how do I do this, Josh? How do I make it through hell? How do I not stop? How do I keep going? Well, Philippians 4.8 says this. It's such an important scripture right here. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, think about these things. So what he's saying here is, yeah, you might be going through hell, but stop dwelling on it. Stop focusing on it. Think about these things. It's like this. It's like this. We've all sat around campfires before. If you live in Alaska, you sit under campfires under the light of day. It's very sad. But you do it anyways. So you sit around the campfire and you have that nice 
dry piece of wood in there, and what inevitably happens is that wood is going to pop. There's going to be sparks that fly in the air. There's going to be embers that fly in the air. And has anyone ever had one of those embers land in your lap before? Ruin a perfectly good pair of pants. But you sit there, and that ember lands in your lap. At this moment, you have two choices to make. The first choice is this. Ow, that really hurts. Ow, this is hurting me so bad. God, why did you allow this? Ah! Or you can do what any sane person does, and you go like this, whoa, whoo, that was close. Almost burned myself, got it off quick. You see, the scripture tells us to take every thought captive. Take every thought captive, but what we've done is we've become so lazy in our thought processes, we just allow our minds to go wherever it wants to go. And the problem is, is, is that is going, ow, it's burning, ow, why is this happening to me? That is typically what happens when we don't take control of our thoughts. Like I said earlier, we can't control our triggers. We can't control the things that cause us to think about maybe certain things. If I were to say to you, hey, pink elephants, I just put a thought in your mind. Some of you thinking about Dumbo. Those of you who have never seen Dumbo, like sitting in the front row right here, right? <laughs> right, like, I put a thought in your mind, but what you go with, where you go with that is, is up to you now. Where you go with that thought. Do you dwell on that? Wow, pink elephants. I remember that scene in Dumbo. I haven't seen Dumbo for years. I don't know if my kids have ever seen Dumbo. I should help my kids watch it. I should, okay, we're watching Dumbo after church today. Decision made, right? Like you just allow yourself just to kind of flow with these thoughts, but these thoughts of, of these hells that we walk through pop into our mind all the time. Or you can take control of them. This thought pops in your mind. You're like, no, I'm not going to allow myself to dwell on that. I'm not going to allow myself to continue to think about that. I'm going to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. What he's talking about is God. I'm going to think about God and what he's done in my life. I'm going to be grateful for the things he has given me. I'm going to be grateful for my salvation, for my forgiveness. When I'm walking through hell, how do I not stop? How do I keep going? Is by focusing on God and not on the issue and not on the problem and not dwelling on it and allowing it to defeat me. What are you thinking about? Take every thought captive. Think about these things. Think about these things. And you will charge into that storm. Be that buffalo. And not allow that storm of life just to continue to pulverize you as you try to run away from it. When you're going through hell, don't stop. And finally, number seven. If you forget it all, refer to rule number one. If you forget it all, refer to rule number one. Be amazing. Philippians 3, 13, and 14 says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take in hold of it, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead, I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I am reaching heavenwards in Christ Jesus, that my identity is in Him. And that through him, I am the glory of God, being made into the glory of God from glory to glory. Not from failure to failure, but from glory to glory, I'm being made into the image of God. And this is the thing that I strive for. You see, the secret of your future self is hidden in your daily routines. But the truth of the matter is, is this, that your identity is in Christ if you are in Christ. Christ. 
If you are not in Christ, your identity is not in Christ. That is a hard reality that sometimes we don't want to talk about. And you can have all the habits in the world, and you can do everything right, but if you are not in Christ, it does not matter. It doesn't. Everything, all this straining and all this hard work is, is really in vain for, at that point. Because you're not in the image of God. You're not in his gl- being transformed into his image from glory to glory. And so maybe you're in this room today, and you're going, man, Josh, I came in here not really knowing if I believed in God, not knowing if any of this was true. I want to tell you that it is. I want to tell you that through my life, I've witnessed it over and over and over again. And that's an opportunity that you have this morning. It doesn't have to be this big, grandiose thing, but maybe you're sitting right where you're at and you're going, man, I want to be in that image. I want to be transformed into that glory. I just want to invite you right where you're sitting to make that decision, to say, you know, yeah, God, I want to put my faith in you. God, I want to put my trust in you. God, I want to put my hope in you. And maybe you're sitting here today and, and you've said yes to Jesus, but you've not been being amazing. You've not been walking in that identity. See, that's where it's got to start. That's where we have to realize is that our identity is in Christ. And that we are made into his glory, from glory to glory. And, and, the, and your future self is hidden in your daily routines. You guys, we've got to start taking some responsibility, taking some control over our lives, over our habits, over the things that we allow to happen into our spirits, into our minds, into our bodies, every day. Again, these are habits that we form, like I said. This is not like, okay, I did this this month. I'll, I'll check, it out, check it out again in this fall. This is us taking control, going, man, I, I'm going to take control over my, over my, my spiritual growth. I want to be in the Word. I want to treat my family better. And No, we're not going to get this perfect, but we're going to create habits to allow ourselves to start moving towards God on a daily basis. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that before any of this matters, God, you are. God, before any of this takes place, that you are the God of the universe. God, that you are the one is by your Spirit that we're able to accomplish any of this. It is by your spirit that we're forgiven. God, it's by the sacrifice of your son. And Lord, for those who might not understand that this morning, might not realize that, I pray that right now where they're sitting in their seat that you would reveal that to them. Let their eyes be open to your truth. And Jesus, for us, those of us who have known that truth, but we have not walked in that truth, we've allowed just whatever might happen might happen in our lives. We've taken little responsibility. Jesus, I pray that we would begin the process of making healthy habits in our life that would draw us towards you from glory to glory every day, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.